What's happening, everybody? I'm Nolan Tuck. Stacy Glover. You're tuned in to Cinema Parlor. Stacy, how are you? I'm good. Good. Uh, you know, we're continuing the uh, the Halloween season today. Yes, we are. We got a nice movie to talk about. Yep. Some drinks to drink. As always. As always. On today's episode, we're going to be discussing Michael Mann's Manhunter. Mm-hmm. And we have a returning guest, Melanie. How are you? I'm very well. I'm very excited to talk about this movie. So this was your pick. Yes. I didn't fuck up the intro this time. You flipped him off right before we started recording. I always flip him off before starting recording. <laughs> so we're going to be talking about Manhunter today. I think this is a great pick, Melanie, and I'm excited to talk about it. Uh, but before we do, what is everybody drinking on today's episode? Well, I'm drinking... Mephistopheles Stout from Avery Brewing Company. It says it's the Demons of Ale. It's a cool bottle. Describe what's on it. Well, it's got some nice shiny up atop to hold that cap on. The foil. Uh-huh. <laughs> it's got the titled Demon, his little face on the front. It kind of looks like a Netflix Daredevil. Mm, that yeah. art. I can see that. Mm-hmm. Only more demony. It looks pretty cool. Mm-hmm. So what what are, what are the notes here? What are you feeling in this? Beer? I don't talk about notes. Okay. But How what percentage is it? It's fourteen point six six six. Okay, so obviously you're gonna be tanked by the end. Okay, we're ready for this. What's well, the other one you got? Oh well, I've got backups. I got a Deschutes Obsidian Stout. It's got a little Wolfman on the front. So you you got some heavy hitters, Melanie. As is the case, it seems lately we are both drinking the same drink mm-hmm. from a lovely drink that you have prepared for this episode. What are, what are we having today? I'm really upset that the color didn't stay. I mean, it tastes good, though. It does. So I'm calling this the Tooth Fairy in honor of today's episode. How appropriate. So I took a glass, like a highball glass, and then a little bit of cherry juice at the bottom, a little bit of club soda on top of that, just eyeball it. Then you do two ounces clear rum. You could probably honestly do any liquor with this. It, it would taste good with just about anything little bit more club soda and then you need to add about an ounce of apple pucker sour apple pucker okay. you could do any apple liqueur probably it's pretty strong this is a strong drink it's a strong drink but it is rather tasty mm-hmm. so it, it's going to be uh, absolutely wonderful all right so stacy before we get into the main topic today do you have a question that you would like to discuss so manhunter is to some an unconventional horror film so I was just wondering your guys' thoughts on this genre, where they fit in the greater genre of horror films. For example, there are a lot of people, you know, especially since it won, you know, Best Picture, and I think it won the Big Five at the Oscars, which is like Best Actor, Best Actress, Director, Film, um, Screenplay, maybe? It, it did the same as One Flew Over the Cuckoo's Nest. I'm probably wrong on the awards, but... Silence of the Lambs won, like, everything when it came out. Mm-hmm. And people were poo-pooing the idea that it was a horror film, you know, because horror films don't win at the Oscars. So, I'm just curious, like, your guys' feelings on this stretch of the genre. The reason why I picked this one, again, it is fringe horror, which I kind of like that we've talked about this month and last year. It's like you guys kind of have gone over more traditional horror films, and I think it's kind of fun to talk about more real-life horror, serial killers, things that are actually frightening. And I spend a lot of September Mm -hmm. and beginning of October doing more French horror stuff. Nolan, what do you think? Like, do you consider these horror films? Absolutely. So I'm of the opinion that 
I think horror is specific to each person. So for me, like, what horrifies me? So yeah, for me, like, Manhunter, Sons of the Lambs, absolutely horror films. You know, these movies uh, definitely get under my skin. You know, horror took, it got a bad rap in the 80s from critics, not talking about, like, people that like them. And it seems as we've gotten on, horror is, like, kind of coming around to, like, almost respectable type of level in some instances. Like, we look at, like, this new wave of, like, A24 movies, mm-hmm. like, Hereditary, Midsommar, um, The Witch, you know, things like these. Like, they're getting critically praised. It seems that horror is taking that next step as far as, like, the critical community. And I I, I don't know. I think it's... I think a lot of horror movies have been very unfairly... You know, like, Ebert and was very... One of the ones that like kind of ripped horror movies very well, often. And he went they back went on, on a crusade. Yeah, yeah. He, and he mm-hmm. went back on some of and his stuff. And he did though. absolutely. But uh, yeah, I mean that's uh, so I don't know that that's just kind of a a thought that comes to mind. Okay, so like because this film it, and we'll we'll probably talk about this in a little bit, but this is one of like the precursors for like this subgenre of film that I think became really big in the nineties. So. Like, the things that are birthed from this, and I guess, like, more so Silence of the Lambs, it kind of teeter-totters. Those women in peril films, like, I feel like they share DNA. So what about, like, other true crime things? Like, do we consider true crime, like, or, you know, the that try to be that? I guess, like, you know, the, the spookier parts of Zodiac and... Mm-hmm. Like is that a? I I will say there are certain there are certain things in Zodiac that I find horrifying. That killer never got caught, but, and I knew that going in. I was still freaked out in a lot of those scenes, especially like I think of like the basement scene. I have a lot. I have a lot of anxiety when I watch that movie, mm-hmm. even still. And well, I know it's like gonna three happen. hours, and yeah. it's just yeah. the entire time, just a wheel that's rolling and rolling. Well, I also feel like the the films that were around this time. I feel like style has a lot to do with it. Manhunter and Silence of the Lambs feel more in the genre than, say, like, Hannibal and Red Dragon do. Sure. I agree with that. And Red Dragon's the exact same story. It's just, it's it's handled in a more, like, I don't know, like, a cleaner, like, more Hollywood way. That that style isn't there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you guys want to get into the... The meat. I'm ready if you guys are. Do you want to fire up a synopsis for us? Let's do it. So, uh, Manhunter. This is directed by Michael Mann from 1986. It's just you and me now, sport. FBI agent Will Graham, who retired after catching Hannibal Lecter, returns to duty to engage in a risky cat and mouse game with Lecter to capture a new killer. How's Lecter spell? L-E-C-K-T-O-R. All right. Because they, they changed the spelling for some reason for this movie. Uh, Melanie, why don't you start us off, since this is your film you picked today, what are your uh, thoughts and why did you pick A Manhunter? Well, again, I kind of touched on this in the intro. <laughs> why did you pick A Manhunter? A Manhunter. Yeah, whatever. I'm lost. <laughs> I wanted to talk about something that was more reality-based. It is one of my favorite movies. I just watched it two nights ago. could watch it again right now. I love this movie. I love the music. I love the cast. The writing is so tight. The changes from the book, especially the ending, a very clean edited film. I saw this when I was really young. I'm curious whenever you guys saw it. I thought Tom Noonan was the creepiest thing. He was creepier to me than 
Robert England was. Yeah, love that. Stacy. Yeah. Your initial thoughts on Manhunter. Oh, this is a great film. I, I like this movie a lot. I like Michael Mann a lot. I think that as far as Hannibal Lecter films go, like for that series, this is the second best one. And for everything else behind it, it's not that close. No. Um, I actually didn't see this movie until I was a little older because this wasn't like this wasn't popular like during the VHS days or I, I don't recall ever seeing it like to rent. I don't recall ever seeing it on cable television. I feel like this movie didn't get popular until they started making the Silence of the Lambs sequel stuff. Because I feel like when I first heard about this movie was before Hannibal was coming out. And then I got the movie, like I rented it on Netflix DVD. So this would have been, what, I was probably like 18, 17, 18. Yeah. When, like, Cannibal came out? What was that 2002? We were probably 16 or 17. That's when I first watched the film. And for, like, the DVD market, this was one of those films, kind of like the Evil Dead movies, where they, they put, like, a dozen different versions of this movie on DVD for, mm -hmm. with, like, you know, the theatrical cut, the director's cut. I know I have one of the, like, I think, like, the Anchor Bay or Blue Underground, like, the big, like, DVD set they did of it. And I think it was super hard to find for a while. So this is one of those everyone loves it now and everyone's oh yeah so much better than Red Rag. That's the general consensus. I forgot this was at for a time but and it we were, it was right around that period. People because I was confused. I did not know that there was ever an opinion that this was like not a good film and that Brian Cox wasn't a good Hannibal Lecter. There was Yeah, people so when those movies are coming out it's like Oh, this oddity, you know, where Hannibal's not portrayed by Anthony Hopkins and they spelt Lecter wrong and like these idiots, Michael Mann making a film in his early days, it's not that good. Like that's how writers wrote about it. I feel like in the late 90s, early 2000s. What about you? What, what was your first exposure? Yeah, so I will go ahead and say I love this movie. I think it's an absolute masterpiece. Um, We're all big Michael I, Mann fans. Uh, yeah, Mann, I mean... Not to be hyperbolic, I'm just going to say man's like, he's in my top 10. I love this this film very much. Uh, so actually, this is one I saw for the first time. I was probably 16 or 17. This was a movie my dad rented. Mm -hmm. My dad loves true crime. Han uh, Songs of the Lambs is one of his favorite movies of all time. So um, I remember, you know, he rented this because... Uh, of that connection, obviously, the Hannibal Lecter character. Had he, he hadn't seen it, he was just curious. Not that I believe. Yeah, I, I think he was just curious. And um, he ended up buying the DVD. So I watched this with, with him when, when I was younger. I didn't know enough about film to know if it was a good movie like or not. I just, it, yeah. yeah, I just remember things about it. And, you know, I, I saw it uh, again, like, in my 20s and enjoyed it. Really, the last two viewing experiences for me have really elevated it's one of those movies for me the more i've watched it the more i i it's grown in my estimation i this is a movie i've watched two times this year and for me that's a big deal because i don't typically i'll, I'll rewatch things here and there but i, I don't typically rewatch a lot of movies nolan um, has a huge movie collection that he's on a constant <laughs> quest to get through and yeah. he'll never succeed it's but he's I really trying i, I try hard but i, I will he's, never succeed yeah um, it's a yeah it's 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 uh it's great but it's a curse as well because i've i've, 
I always have a feeling that I have missed so many things that I just, I want to always when you watch that, and discover. Yeah, you, know? you said that before, that you felt like since yeah. you started later in life, yeah. that so, yeah, you're constantly playing catch-up. It's a hard thing for me to, to, to... Which isn't true, that's a you thing. Yeah, it is a me <laughs> thing, and it's just something I've, you know, I've got in my head. But anyway, so I've watched this movie two times this year, and um, this last rewatch, not that the last one, like... When I watched it earlier this year, it was great. But just this last rewatch, just, I don't know, just something clicked in as like, this is a masterpiece. Mm-hmm. And um, so, yeah. Which version did you watch? I, I always watch the theatrical. That's I've actually, the way to be. I've never watched the uh, the director's cut. I, I know that it exists on this new yeah. Blu-ray we all own, but yeah. um, I have not watched that version. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the theatrical cut's way better i say way better like i you could watch the director's cut and it's still really good and it's clear what's added because they didn't it's not cleaned up footage yeah at least from the the blu-ray if you watch it which honestly the director's cut like watching it on a dvd is probably better because it's less jarring yeah okay the theatrical cut is definitely the better cut it's Mm -hmm. cleaner it's interesting though if you've never watched the director's cut to see the added Mm -hmm. stuff yes especially the ending it's interesting i'll definitely do it sometime yeah any version is better than red dragon (laughs) is this the first movie like this like is does this movie it's it's five years before Silence of the Lambs. Silence of the Lambs kicks off that boom that, like, we're still getting things like this. You know, True Detective and, uh, what was it, Mindhunter and stuff mm-hmm. like that. People love this shit. But is Manhunter the first? Because, like, you think about it, there are movies that have, well, like, elaborate shows. killers and yeah. stuff. Well, shows. I can't say this is the first. And, like, this, though, like, you have the perspective of the detective, but then you also see, like, the killer in his life. And I feel like there wasn't that much before that because you would have things like Dirty Harry where you have like an interesting killer. But I feel like that movie is so like skewed on the machismo badass cop thing. Well, and political stuff that... Yeah. yeah. But like, you know, there are movies that came out that dealt with stuff kind of like Fallout from Zodiac and like all these other horrific real life things. But I feel like Manhunter is like... One of the first of, like, this style of film, if it that definitely, makes sense. I will agree that it lends the blueprint for things that come later. I, I, without thinking about it too hard, I would I would just say I agree with what you, with you guys. And it is weird that, like, Silence of the Lambs isn't that far after this film, but it feels like light years away. I feel like every movie in the Hannibal Lecter saga, every movie is different from each other. Mm-hmm. So different. And not always for the... Well, none of us, from my knowledge, I don't think any of us have watched Hannibal Rising. I have. I watched it with my grandmother. Oh, okay. Nice. It is not good. And I've also read all of the books, but I'm upset. I bought a new copy of Red Dragon to read before this episode, and I uh, did not get to it. I've been too busy. Mm. But, yeah, I love this series. I love the book series. My mom had it. My grandma had it. Now, have... I, I've only seen like an episode or two. Have either of you watched the Hannibal TV no, series? No, but I love Brian Fuller. So sure. it's like, it's awful that I haven't because I hear it's great. Yeah, yeah, that whole thing is like Will Graham uh-huh. and Hannibal working Hannibal, together. Yeah. Yeah. It's the pre-everything. Yeah. Like, isn't the last season Manhunter? I believe yeah, so. Yeah, I know they cover the, the Red Dragon mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, stuff in it. Yeah, After he's already imprisoned. Yeah. So yeah, we, sh- we should check that series out sometime. That would be fun. All right, well, uh, let's get into this movie. 
I'm just gonna start. How many off pages here. of notes before we get into it? I have so I do have quite a bit. So because <laughs> I'm saying we don't have to go back. through everything. I do have two front and back pages. <laughs> oh, good lord! There's a lot. No, look, I love that. There's a lot that. to lot to say about this. So, mm-hmm. um, you know what? Yeah, just Stacy has half a page. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so the opening of this film, um, I I need to first I need to get some characters down because I tended my notes just write down their actor's name instead of. Character's name. Okay. So, we have William Peterson, um, who is uh, Will Graham, Will Graham mm-hmm. in the film. We also have uh, Dennis Farina. Actually, yeah. Do you just want to go through the cast before you yeah, get we, on your notes? Yeah, we absolutely can do that. Dennis Farina, played, uh, he is Jack Crawford. We have Kim uh, Greist, or Greist. Uh, she plays... <laughs> Greist. I think it's Greist. <laughs> Greist. <laughs> plays Molly Graham, uh, Will's wife. We have Brian Cox, uh, who plays Dr. Hannibal Lecter. Uh, Joan Allen plays Reba McLean. The great Tom Noonan is Francis Dollarhide. Stephen Lang plays Freddy. And we'll go ahead and mention also Chris Elliott uh, plays uh, Zeller. So I think <laughs> he's in one scene. Well, he still needs mentioned. <laughs> I like that. Because in my notes I wrote down, Chris Elliott shows up. I feel like we needed that. Okay, so we get this opening scene. Um, we get William Peterson's character, Will, and Dennis Brina's character, Jack Crawford. Uh, Jack Crawford. They are kind of sitting on this log. Beechwood. Beechwood, mm-hmm. yes. Having a conversation. Nolan, before we get into yep. anything, I'm sorry, already interrupting. Yep. William Peterson, short shorts. Oh, I, I had it written down. Okay. Cutoffs and short shorts. <laughs> like... I, I just wrote, cutoffs and short shorts, you, game is fire. Those purple shorts really bring out his eyes. Are you attracted to William Peterson? Oh, absolutely. He's beautiful. Mm-hmm. Beautiful mm-hmm. man. Also, I just wrote Dennis Farina, R.I.P. Yeah. Mm. But, uh, so, obviously, they got having a conversation here. Um, Farina has brought uh, Will's attention to a, a case. And so, Will went to retirement. Yes. And basically, he's just living out in Florida with his family on the beach, just trying to keep it cool. And we'll get into his mental state as what happened before. But Crawford's trying to pull him back in. He's like, we need you for this, you know, typical setup right there. We get this beautifully composed sunset that shifts to a blue-tinted room with Molly and Will. uh, That kind of turns into a love scene. Yeah, I, yeah, I do want to talk shit about that I love. the gorgeous. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that no, that shot, a... the bay windows where so Will is helping his son down below. Which um, they're also something we need to mention. They're tending to the turtles. Yeah, they're mm. trying to save the turtles from the crabs. Uh huh. And right. so they're setting up these posts, and he's teaching his son that you know bearing the wire in the sea. Yeah. So you get this amazing shot. It might be my favorite shot in the movie. Jack and Molly are sat like. Six feet apart. Symmetrical. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, about six feet apart, staring out the window as the sun is setting. And I love the opening for this film because, like, there's no Cheffa. It just gets right into it. And, like, if you watch Red Dragon, it it's like, oh, we got to explain everything. With this, again, with that shot, everything about it. So it starts with Jack and Will, and they're at opposite ends of this giant beechwood mm-hmm. log. They're sitting there. It's the sand. It's like a far-off shot, so you have the sand and the ocean behind them. It's interesting. I don't think there's a bad shot in this film. Yeah, he the team he he works with is so phenomenal. There's The editing is wonderful. 
but I do like that it's not just it's set up and it's exposition, but it is so smart and it's it's very interesting to look at. It's dynamic. Yes. Uh, in this, so when when we get to this love scene, we have you know this this blue this uh, at some point I would really like to talk about the use of color. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I, I believe this blue is very important for Molly's character in particular. And in, in my opinion, what I don't know if you want to talk about any of this right oh, now. Oh yeah. Or but the in my opinion, this blue in this movie is a safe color. I think blue and green. Are, I don't see just, green as a safe color. We'll get to it. Uh, okay. So after all this happens, Will uh, goes to check out the murder scene from the assignment that uh, he has accepted from Jack. Checking out the Leeds house. Yes, a uh, grisly murder scene at this house. Um, we learn a family of five were massacred, and basically Will just starts to get deep into this case, trying to put himself into the killer's point of view, basically. And at this point, I think we get the first thought of Will wondering what Will's mental stability is mm-hmm. at this point. And we're we're gonna talk about throughout the episode, obviously. A big criticism I have seen of this film repeatedly is a lot of people think William Peterson is bad. And I don't understand it. I it's something I I think he's great. I cannot understand. They don't they think he's bad as an actor? Yeah, they think in the this movie. is they think this is a bad performance. Well, that is a really bad take. I know. I feel like it's such You know a, who's who's bad? Edward Norton. Yeah. We can get into that too, but yeah, so I think from this first scene of him actually kind of taking on that identity trying to like put those puzzle pieces together and you see an overarching thing that he does with Graham in this is he does start off it's like he's when he's talking when he's with his family when he's with Molly he wants nothing to do with this and he's just like I'm just gonna go in and I'm not you know I'm not gonna do what I did before I'm not gonna actually mentally go there like what I did with all the other cases and with Hannibal in particular, mm-hmm. not doing it. And he goes in and there's, so he's going through the Leeds house and there is like this reserve where he's just looking and he, he goes through the bedroom. It's horrific, which I'm sure right. you have notes on. Yeah, and yeah. then it's like, he goes to the bathroom and he's like taking a moment and it's overwhelming to him, but yeah. it's so, it's such a hushed performance at the beginning. It is. It's very controlled. Yeah. And it gets bigger as we go. It does. Michael Mann is doing more than just like the actors. Oh, uh, yeah. You know, like the, these aren't actors m- movies. Like William Peterson I think's great in the film, but most of his character development is done visually and musically. And, like I feel like a lot of like the the character development in this film it is all visual. Nobody is like giving grand monologues or when they do, it's shot in a beautiful way. Yeah, and and again I- Color is very big for Will. As you said, visual, that's a big visual of... Well, we're starting off in like a yeah. white shirt, purple shorts. Absolutely. And, and as he gets on the movie, he's wearing mostly black. What do you think about everybody, all these families, their houses are just like giant white mausoleums. It's yeah, interesting, it's, isn't it? It's very interesting ar- architecture. Um, I, I love these houses. I feel that all the white in the film also makes everything stand out i think it really makes the actors the way that they're wardrobed i think the white is so overwhelming at so many parts there's so much there's so many buildings that are all white the interiors and we start out with the leeds house 
all the walls, the carpet's white, the bedding is but white. The will stands out from all and of the that. Blood. The blood stands out from yeah. that. Mm-hmm. It's like Even the flowers those are the two will. things that do not belong in that house. Yeah. I think his wardrobe in that scene is like purposely to make him stand out as much as possible. Okay, so w- one thing that stands out as he's looking through this house, um, one thing Will mentions, uh, he thinks the killer took his gloves off during this, so this gives him a belief that maybe there's, we've got a, some fingerprints maybe he left behind, kind of it's his tendencies. Again, that's starting where he he reviews everything and then he's looking back at the tape and it's just like, mm-hmm. of course he touched her, he had to. Yeah, had to touch her. And his, I think that, he again, he doesn't get monologues, but he gets these little segments where he's just talking to himself mm-hmm. and hit the way he says these things the line delivery is i again it's crazy to me i that think anyone... they're some of the best scenes in the movie yeah. like the one at the end where yeah. he's oh. like going off we'll, like we'll get, yeah. that's one of my favorite scenes mm-hmm. but yeah it's such a again it's such a quiet smart performance and like there's such a like contrast like if you do watch red dragon edward norton's tr- trying to do the same thing but he doesn't have that like cool reserve that william peterson has and it just feels, it just sounds weird, especially it, watching them so close together. It feels clumsy. It, it, Red Dragon and, feels like community theater, comparatively. It, it does, but it also, it's like the way it's shot. Him looking at the, the footage, mm-hmm. I don't know if you guys remember this, but he's like, you took your gloves off. Mm-hmm. And he it's all yep. on his face. Oh, Edward Norton? Yeah. It's so much, it's bigger. And he's trying to look truly disgusted. <laughs> William is like... Mm-hmm. Yeah, in the court. mind he, you had to you yeah. had to touch her the thing that i i find so interesting about the performance from peterson is is, is his eyes not i mean i talked about them because they are beautiful but as just an actor like you in my opinion you see years of of just of being worn down to jump back just a minute, whenever he goes into the Leeds bathroom, he has to splash water in his face. The phone rings, and mm-hmm. then you hear Mrs. Leeds' yep. voice message of, you know, leave us a message. Sorry, I can't come to the phone. He looks off, and he just looks haunted. Mm-hmm. It's it's the eyes. You're right. Absolutely. Windows to the soul. <laughs> That's right. We find out they've kind of referred to this killer as the Tooth Fairy. Now, one thing I want to mention, which, you, as you both know... Tom Newton is referred to three different names in this movie, which I quite like. His actual name, which is Dollar Hyde, uh-huh. the Tooth Fairy, and the Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. I just like that he you, he could go by any of those. I Does anybody him. actually call him the Red Dragon, though? He calls himself. He calls that. himself yeah. the Red Dragon. Correct. But oh yeah, it's, it's just a name that we know of when we yeah yeah. Think There's of a this, lot of interesting. You know, you know it's funny because last episode we were talking about identity. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There's obviously a lot going on with identity in this film. Very as much. Well. well, yeah, I mean, Dollar Hyde <laughs> is definitely a scrambled egg brain man. But then William mm-hmm. is as well. Yeah. yeah. Graham is as well. Yes. Uh, we also find out um, that Will was responsible for putting Hannibal Lecter behind bars. We kind of first get that name mm-hmm. here. We meet a character named Freddy. Freddy Lounge. I said he is a redheaded shitstormer. Can you believe that that's Stephen Lang? Isn't it weird? Yeah, so... I always forget that it's Stephen Lang. I know it's him, but as I'm watching, I forget. So, (laughs) this movie's 86. Aliens is also 86. Stephen Lang was supposed to play Hicks originally. No. There's only one boy that could be Hicks ever. Well, yeah. There's some things during this briefing that I think is interesting. Because you get the whole plot about, like, the fingerprints. Jack and Will have their preferred print man 
over Atlanta PD and they bring it and Atlanta PD is just like, yeah, we, we already went through all of this, you know, we didn't find anything. It comes back at the end of this briefing that they did find prints on yep. the eye. And I love the shade that Dennis Farina as Jack Crawford, like his eyes mm-hmm. at the Atlanta PD is like, motherfuckers, listen to this guy. It's like bitchy side. Like, yeah. Yeah. Which that's the thing about Farina as Crawford. Yeah, I love else. him. He's, He's like, very good. you bitch. His, Speaking of more eyes and facial expressions, his, he does have some fantastic ones. I prefer movies. him to Scott Glenn in the role from Silence of the Lambs. I agree. I, agree. I, I think Dennis Farina is the best Jack Crawford. Yeah, Farina rules in this movie. I love Farina all the time mm-hmm. when I know this. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Um, oh, sorry, Freddie is... We, we find out that like him and Will have a little bit of a past. Uh, yeah, Freddie's a shit. Yes, stirs the pot a little bit with Will. Will kind of... You know, has enough in the scene, kind of lays him out a little bit. Well, so, so who's Freddy? Freddy Lowndes. Yeah, who who is he? He's a reporter with the tabler. With the uh, a tabloid the, the, reporter, right? Yeah. yeah. So the tabler is kind of set up to be like the National Enquirer. Junk. Yeah. Reporting. The, yes. They're doing shitty things to get stories and fake f- news. It's fake news. Mm-hmm. Freddy, whenever Will was injured, Hannibal attacked Will, so he was in the hospital. He had to recover, and then after that, there was. A long period of mental recovery that had to happen also. But guys... he sneaks into the hospital and took pictures of Will whenever he had tubes yeah. in his body. Yeah. Do you guys like the way this film disseminates the information to the audience that, like, if you have to, like, keep watching the movie to find out the things that people referenced earlier? Like, nothing's handed to you. So, like, you don't really know what this relationship's about until later. Mm-hmm. I like, love it. I, I think it's very economical and it trusts the audience to put like things together on their own. I think that's something that a lot of a lot of filmmakers don't do. Mm-hmm. Like or I, I shouldn't even say and not filmmakers, but studios don't do. Sure. Studios don't trust their audience enough. I well, agree. especially these days. Yep. Yeah, no, no I there's I, a I, lot of hand holding that goes on in storytelling, so Yeah. It's refreshing. It is. It is. Uh okay, so Will goes and uh, he visits Dr. Lecter. Um, he believes that uh, Dr. Lecter might be able to help him out mm-hmm. with this he case. He wants him to look at the case but file. But is that why he really goes? Very good question. Brian Cox says, Dr. Lecter, what do we think? I love it. I think it's a good performance. I like that his hair slicked back like Bela Lugosi and Dracula. Um, you guys are talking about green. He has these big green eyes, mm-hmm. which... Like, I, I see green as, like, almost like a forewarning of violence or powers, you know, something of that. It is true, because it's kind of like you're, like, he'll be in an all-white room and go to something that's, like, he'll go to, like, a small area that's got a green patch on the wall. Mm-hmm. Whenever he comes outside after this meeting with Hannibal, he runs. He can't breathe until he stops and looks at the grass and refocuses. So, it it is interesting, because it's a calling card, but I also feel it's... It's something that this character is always seeking out. So, you guys, I don't know if you guys are going to think this is far-fetched or not, but this this is how I read the film Mm -hmm. in this scene. So, in this scene, we get the Mm all-white jail cell. We get Lecter in Mm all-white. Will walks in, and this is the first instance I noticed him in black. Like, he's got the black jacket on. So, when he walks... What, what I took away from this, especially, so they start having the conversation, Will's basically asking him, 
to look at the case could, file. Look at the yeah. case file if he could help him out. What I looked from this is, in my opinion, the, the film is telling us right there that Lecter in in white. We typically in in most films, like if you go for the western example, you know the black is usually the black hat is bad. Mm-hmm. We have the white being good. Mm-hmm. I, I I feel like there that man is specifically flipping the reversal here, showing you that Lecter is going to help out, actually helping out Will, where he will be able to find this killer, but Will in black is the one that is going to kill. Red Dragon. Now, I'm not saying, I'm not saying Will is bad. To like further your point is, Will as he the way his method, he becomes the right. killer. Right. He, so he is putting himself there mentally, and I mean it is interesting because there's a lot like yeah. Will kind of unravels a little bit. He which does. We see he gets irritable. He start he's doing weird things. Yep. And he's thinking like the bad guy. Yep. And, and another thing, and I'll get. I'll just talk about it now since mm-hmm. I'm talking about the color. What it also does is in that same weird reversal of roles later in the film, um, Lecter has a black telephone and he uses that as a device to try and play with the case. Like he makes some phone calls. Well, he, he's he, trying to get Will killed. Trying to get Will killed. Correct. Yeah. So, so that's trying to turn that right there. And then in a later conversation when, Later in the movie, Lecter calls Will, and he's on his black phone, and the roles are reversing again with Will still in black but using his white telephone as trying to say these these roles are reversed even though I'm showing you Will is going to kill this character. He is also going to be the savior at the same time by the switch of the colors of telephone. Maybe I'm off my rocker. That's just how I personally okay, took so, that play. Since you nerd. <laughs> <laughs> Again, but I think you can't. I think there's a lot. You, If you want to, you can watch this movie sure. and not read into any like nerdy film shit. Will, you don't have to put any theory to it. Yeah. It's a great film. It is. So for anyone that hasn't seen this, just anything that he just said, <laughs> you can just be entertained. You don't yes. have to read into it. But I think if you want to, that discussion yep. is there. What does the white mean to you in this film? See, the, and that's the the white to me. I'm not talking about like the, them wearing white, but yeah. the, the buildings. What the, does it mean? The buildings to me. I, that's a good question. I I didn't think about it specifically the buildings because um, I was so enamored with but, with what Lecter so was having on. So the Leeds house, everything in it is white. It is everything. Yeah. Whenever he goes to see Lecter, everything is white. White. Whenever yeah. he comes out of the cell area. Yep. Everything is white. They're yep. all wearing white. He's it's running true. through all of the architecture, yep. all the buildings. Whenever he comes out, until he I, looks at green, it's all white. The FBI. I, I'm kind the of station is the, white. Yeah, which we'll went later yeah. when we talk about. I'm it. kind of with you, as in like thinking about it, like with all the white that surrounds him and the black that he's wearing. It, it's it is that struggle that like he's got Internally this darkness almost, yeah. inside, but he knows what he needs. Mm-hmm. Like what he's supposed to do and what he is going to do, but it's it's that trying to that fight. Mm-hmm. Am I going to do the right thing? That Can internal I do, struggle. Yes. Yeah. Am I going to let myself go and will I be able right. to come back to Molly and Josh? Absolutely. That that's the thing. Like the reason Will's so good at his job, the reason Jack gets him is because he has the ability to think like these people that nobody else can think like, and will the fear is Will will lose himself. 
because when he caught Lecter, it's later revealed that he did lose himself for a while, mm-hmm. that he right. did need to seek help, Absolutely. and that's why he quit yeah. the FBI. Mm-hmm. I think it's interesting that they use Lecter the same way in this and Sons of the Lamb. Some of the dialogue's the same. Clarice is very much, in Crawford's eyes, he's seeing her as a new Will Graham. It's yeah. Like, he, that's his little prodigy. It makes sense. I just wanted to talk about that for a second, because like that specifically is something that when I when I talk about for me like this movie just is worth rewatching so much. It's things like this. I'm not saying that, that Michael Mann. I think probably he just thought dynamically it looked really good on screen, yeah. but I think you can yeah. read into it. And for me, that's just from I, I went to school. I was I am a big person on. You're theory. a learned person. Yeah, I'm a learned person. I'm. <laughs> what what gets me excited about film is is theory very much. Well, and applying and it. applying yeah. it. And so for me, this is just something that like you can. I could read into it and yeah. say, this is really cool in my opinion. The sequence right after him speaking to Lecter and he's running from that conversation. Man just pulls back the camera and he's like, hey, William Peterson, run. I need you to run. Like, you need to do wind sprints down these stairs. You need to do a full Tom Cruise. Yeah, mm-hmm. it looks so fucking good. And, like, you really get, like, the panic of the the moment. We're not so different, you yeah, and I. Yeah, he, he tells them they're like, yeah. He's, the, the bad yeah. guys speak. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, Will's like, is it true? Right. Right. Yeah, I, I wrote down def, uh, Will definitely going through some heavy shit. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Let's, yeah, let's get back yeah. to the notes. Okay, so after he leaves, um, Freddy is kind of find out found out he was going to see Lecter. He gets some shots of Will, posts a story about Will meeting with Lecter. That little shit. Yeah. So Lecter uh, does some... Oh, we talked about this already, so I'm not going to get too much yeah, into it. Uh, Lecter does some MacGyver stuff on the black phone and is able to get a... Hi, Martha. Martha. It's so good. And that whole sequence, like, I, man, I love Anthony Hopkins and, like, Silence of the Lambs, like, one of the best films ever. But Brian Cox changing full persona Mm -hmm. on care, like, on screen. Yeah. It's magnificent. I think Brian Cox is better as Lecter in Manhunter than Anthony Hopkins is as Lecter in Red Dragon. Yeah, I, I just think that, like, by Red Dragon, Anthony Hopkins is just in paycheck mode. Uh, I mean, he's a caricature of that character. Yeah, like that. this performance, like, he's throwing 100, chewing up the scenery. One complaint I have, and I know that people like it. I know I'm way in the wrong here, that I'm probably the only person that doesn't like this shot. I do not like the shot after he is done. Martha's my favorite from him. Mm-hmm. The switch, because it is, like, he changes his posture, he stiffens his back, and he comes down as he says her name. It's amazing. Love it. And him just, why don't you flick that little yeah. thing down? So you have a Rolex? Rolodex. No, I bet he has a, a mm-hmm. call caddy next to his phone. Roll that down to the letter G. Yeah, it's it's so Gram. phenomenal. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's so phenomenal. And mm-hmm. whenever he is done, he turns around. He sets the phone back in the, the thing where they, they pull yeah. uh, to serve him whatever they're serving him in a cell. So they pull that partition back. He puts it in the partition and he slams on it as if like, okay, come get it and done. And he has this shit eating smug look on his face where he's just like, and his mouth is open. He's like chewing the gum that he put in his mouth. I do not like like that shot. I do not like that (laughs) shot. I don't know why. It doesn't feel like Hannibal. It doesn't feel, which I, I'm, people can tell me why I'm wrong and why it should be in there. But that is a scene every time 
it's like a screen cap where anyone that's written about this film, if they talk about Lecter, that is the screen cap they use. It's like him looking. I, to read into the whole thing, his visit with Will, mm-hmm. he is bothered that Will caught him. I get, he knows I that he is smarter than Will, but, and he keeps pegging at Will like, you think you're smarter than me because the whole, like, you want me to help you find this guy which and the you caught me. In the director's cut, he man had more of that dialogue. That's something that's added. Okay. Is he asks, he says, so you're smarter than me. It's it's two or three times yeah, in he, that scene. They visited a couple times yeah. in the director's cut, but he, he keeps hitting on it like, you know, the actual reason you caught me is because we're not that different. Yeah. And it, it almost feels like he is escalating things. Like, I don't even know if he wants Will to die. I don't think he does. It, it's almost like he is escalating he's things. He's putting this out there where it's like, hey, Will, he's going to come for you. You're probably going to have to kill him. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. Because Absolutely. He, he mentions the, like, yeah. you enjoy the killing just as much as I do. Mm-hmm. Like, you like it. Yep. Yeah, for me, I I, I took Lecter oh, as I don't think he's drawing to him, him yeah. to him. So, yeah, like you said, that to force Will's hand yes, to absolutely. be more like him. Which, absolutely. in the book, ultimately, that is what happens. Okay. Dollar High yeah, goes. I, I am with you guys 100% yeah. on that. Absolutely. But I just don't like that shitty-ding. It's not even a grin. It's just <laughs> I like him it. chewing his gum. I know everybody it's victory. likes it. Everybody likes it. And I think he looks like such a stupid... He looks like... Just like an American jock. That's great. Every son of <laughs> He looks like a Tom Brady, like smacking his gum, just like, oh. For anybody we out die. there, <laughs> give us an at Cinema Parlor or at Plastic Werewolf. Let us know. <laughs> is Melanie wrong? She is. I know. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> I know. Okay, so after what we've talked about here, Will travels to uh, the Jacoby house. Another white mausoleum. Another white, a white Yes, house. very much. Uh, during this time... Or kind of after this, the, the Tooth Fairy sends a note on a piece of toilet paper to Dr. Lecter. The guard confiscates it, and they call Will. Dennis Brina, what's his character? Jack name? Crawford. <laughs> forgetting, because I just write down. Head of the FBI. Jack Crawford uh, reads them the note. Forensic work is done. Um, I wrote down, this is a very important man-ism. <laughs> his fascination with modern technology in full effect as they check for uh, fingerprints, hair particles, etc. This is one of my favorite sequences in the film. I think that he does a good job of building tension because the whole segment is around the idea that, like, we only have access to this for moments. Comparing this, again, I hate to keep doing this because it's not a good movie. Comparing it to Red Dragon, it Red Dragon, it just feels so lifeless. And this, it's just like mm-hmm. every character that you come into contact with is interesting. Well, That's true. Everyone has a personality, yeah. and you're only seeing them for a minute, if that. Well, and some of that is like I think Harris, because the the guy using the scanner, mm-hmm. it's the same line, you know, the you're clever, but I so am I, yeah. or whatever. Oh, you think you're so sly, so mm-hmm. am I. Yeah. Yeah, like that. That's good line delivery, and I love Lecter in so many of these scenes. He is not seen. The economy of the storytelling in this is so good. Because you have the threat looming of, like, well, Lecter could find out and then contact him. Again, because I think Lecter isn't actually trying. He he's forced, He wants Dollarhide to go after Will mm-hmm. to trigger something in Will. He knows yeah. that they found the note immediately. Yeah. He knows. He did on part. He's, he's yeah. too smart. Oh, absolutely. I mean, that, that's, that's something I, I really like while we're on the subject. Lecter, he doesn't have to have, like, 
You don't have to have some scene of him trying to escape or no. any of this. He's a character, and you you know, while I love Brian Cox as I know you guys do, like sure you you if you'd like to see him more, whatever. But but it doesn't hurt the film. We don't need to see well, him tied up and, and like, not once a... do they mention Hannibal the Cannibal. They don't say it, but they hint at what he does is more disgusting than normal crimes of passion. Lecter and this, and the way Brian Cox plays it, it and since you see him, it's just a flash here and there. Really, it's two scenes. It, three, because we get one at the end where he calls, but it feels like the boogeyman looming in the closet. Yeah. A physical manifestation of the thing that anchors Will mm-hmm. to this, like, seedy, like, thoughts. So they're sitting around wanting to know, like, what to do with, like, Lecter's thing because they can't break the code. They they go through, they realize there's more books in the Bible than, like, what he says. They know that it's got to be a different book that he's referring that it's to. That definitely they're communicating through the tablet. And there's no way that they're going to be able to break it within the 20 minutes that they have before the tablet goes. So they let it run as is. Yeah. And I, I just think that entire sequence is so great. Absolutely. Um, as we talk, uh, Will does an interview with Freddy trying to throw the tooth fairy off um, and make a mistake. Earlier, Will finds a marking. So when he was out in um, the Jacobi. at the Jacoby house, yeah. he finds a marking in a tree. This is another scene comparing it to Red Dragon. So he's just looking at the house and yep. he's like backing up in the leaves, backing up further into the forest, looking at the house and he's going inside the mind of a yes. killer and he's putting himself in that situation. It's just such a natural thing. Like he he's not saying anything at this point. He looks down, he sees the rapper, he starts yep. climbing. Yep. And it's such a slow thing where he's just It is. He again, you feel like he is going in that mind. Yep, absolutely. So, so he goes up into the tree. He goes up into the tree. Um, he, he finds a Chinese marking in this tree. Forensic finds out that the interpretation of this symbol means red dragon. Will is also, at this point, given some special blue bullet ammunition, a one-shot stop. Did you guys, because I think it kind of flew past my head, what did these bullets do exactly? Okay, so at the beginning of this scene, it makes it almost seem like they're like magnum rubber bullets or something, like right. just to stop him. Right. But then, obviously, like, those are the bullets he uses at the end of the film, and they're, like, just magnum rounds. Okay, so a stakeout is planned. They get the wrong guy. Basically, Will is just kind of walking in this street, or this parking parking lot. lot. Yeah. Yeah. And, yeah, basically a jogger is just coming down. Because I think in the piece in the Tatler, they, they do the photograph, like, we're at Will Graham's, like, this is where he's staying while he's investigating this case. Yeah, he's in a hotel. You know, because they're like, make sure you get the shot of the theater in the background. Meanwhile, Freddy uh, gets kidnapped while going out to his car. This is another thing that I love. Your introduction to Dollarhide is you see his feet, and you see Freddy's feet about a foot off the ground. Maybe a foot and a half. Mm-hmm. It's a And like you difference. see like the hand go over his face, and like that's all you need to know Dollarhide is scary and powerful. He's and like they big. established that so quickly and a film like Red Dragon, like you see Dollarhide so much earlier and they do like just lazy stuff of like, well, you know how Dollarhide's strong because we're going to have a, a scene of him bench pressing. You get the same knowledge. Like the audience gets the same effect 
just by this scene being shot the way it is, like you don't need the the extra to be like, oh my god, he benches like two twenty. He's so powerful. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. No, this yeah with Freddy, which I really like this scene of Freddy beforehand, where he's got his little suit on yeah. and he like faux flashes somebody mm-hmm. in a car and he's That's just right. like, <laughs> he's like doing I'm finger guns, uh-huh. walking backwards to his car, just like do do do. Like I had a great story today. Yep. Selling so many tablers, mm-hmm. whatever. I'm gonna go out in the town, yep. get some puss. You, like he's gonna hit it hard tonight, <laughs> and he just like turns to get in his car. Dollarhide's van's right next to him, and just picks him up like a freaking WWF wrestler. Yeah. Like it's nothing. It's true. And as Melanie just said a few minutes ago, first time we meet Noonan, and it's 55 minutes or yeah. an hour into it's, the film. I think basically. for yeah for the. Director's cut, it's right at an hour, and I okay. think it's a little earlier for the theatrical. Yeah. Uh, I just wrote down Tom Noonan rocks. Um, he has a quote, well, here I am. <laughs> Loved it. Uh, William Blake also gets mentioned here um, as the Great Red Dragon. Mm-hmm. Which, William Blake, I don't know if you've ever read any. I have. He's so good. He is magnificent. Yeah. There I... is a album by a electronic artist named Olver who did a crazy double-disc album of uh, some William Blake stuff. Yeah. Neither here if, or there, but it's again, really great. you don't need us to tell it. Like, you're probably more cultured than we are, but if you haven't read any William Blake, you should do that yes, today. Yes, absolutely. Do you guys like the use of the painting of the Red Dragon in this? Because it's a much bigger deal in the book and in the, like, the Red Dragon movie, because, like, I think in both of those, like, he goes to the museum and eats the painting. Mm-hmm. I love the use of the painting here, Specifically for the color red, which I think identifies with Noonan's character in this film. Yeah, but also, you have the red of the yes. Whenever they're doing the writing, yeah, like, that's the first red that you yes, get. I think absolutely. And then also, I love it with the symmetry of his death scene at oh, the yeah. end, the way it corresponds mm-hmm. to the painting. Yeah. So yeah, I, I personally love the use of it here. I, I also think it's just, just enough. It is, mm-hmm. and I I was gonna talk about later. I I love the look of noonan's house like inside his house like oh yeah the the space the architecture and like just the he's got like these weird a lot of paintings and yeah just it's it's which we what's what we get with it's something that hannibal tells will is he yeah he he probably chooses a big back backyard because he likes to go out in the moonlight and he likes to be nude are you disappointed that we don't get a scene like we do in red dragon where tom noonan drops it all yeah just, and we see a giant tattoo yeah, on his ass that really bums me out man. but they did do the tattoo they just didn't use it right i don't know if they did the tattoo or not don't try to take anything away from ray phineas <laughs> ray, <it>. ralph phineas <laughs> <laughs> okay uh he shows freddie some slides Basically, of you see? the houses. Yes, uh, Noonan is a very oddly shaped individual. Like, he's very tall. He's tall, very skinny, and I yeah, I wouldn't call him like a like a structurally muscular or terrifying, and that. But just like the way his body is, yeah, just comes at you. I don't know. His presence is very well. And in this, it's like the terrifying, the, the to all me. white, and he's so pale, and yeah, he. To me, it's it's odd because if I think it fits for the Dollarhead character, he he looks fragile whenever he's just Francis. Mm-hmm. Whenever he's just Francis Dollarhide, mm-hmm. but whenever he's becoming the Red Dragon, so the yeah. scene with Lowndes with Fred, it's, he, yeah, I mean he gets 
for me, this I think this stalking. is one. Yeah, one of the more terrifying scenes in the movie for me, especially when he when he's showing him these slides. Do you see you and the others? You owe me ah. Like he's saying these things, and then also like when he like makes Freddie like read a letter that mm-hmm. he wrote. He records Freddie's voice, but like, and then after all this, like he puts in the teeth. And it's such and, a slow thing. Yeah, like because he says. You've done well. You've done very well. Yep. And he's like, let's seal this. Seal and then this it's, promise he, with a kiss. He, but he says, let's seal this. He walks over away. Yep. So he lets it hang. He grabs mm-hmm. the teeth, turns his back, puts them in. He still hasn't said anything. He turns back, yep. starts walking. He says, let's seal this yep. with a kiss. Yeah. No, this... To, <gasps> yeah. And, and again, pulling back out. from the house. Mm-hmm. The house. Yeah. To, with screams. To me, this is easily the most terrifying... I would agree with that. Uh, and like, what's interesting, I think about Dollar Hyde. We 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 never see him technically kill a character on screen. Now we see Freddy die here in a little bit, but we never see the actual torture of that character. Even though that doesn't happen, I still find him a terrifying individual, mm-hmm. and I, I think that is very good directing. I really, think. the only thing that you get. From his perspective, like, on the violence that's going to happen, it's at the very beginning during the, like, the opening title, because I, because the theatrical version opens the same way with, like, the camera going to, like, the Leeds house, and, like, it focusing in on the lady, and then, like, the Manhunter title comes up, and then it cuts to the beach. Yeah. Like, that's really the only sequence you get of him in the moment of the crime. Yeah. Yep. In a... (laughs) A crazy scene. He just kind of is going down. Do you love the color during this? Oh, where absolutely. The, the security guard in like the yes. the parking garage. He looks back and it's nothing. Yeah, yeah it's kind of just it's a, a, a slow building scene, mm-hmm. and then just all of a sudden you just hear. You see that it's like you hear the squeaking yeah. louder. You turn and that lighting <laughs> through the tunnel is so beautiful. Oh, it's freaky, man. Yeah, Freddie just is it freakier that he doesn't die. <laughs> Because I have the scene in the hospital, like, has he said anything? Right. He's, yeah. Nope. Yeah, I'd be like, um, yeah, I wish I would have died there. Yeah. <laughs> Kill me now. Kill me before you did that. Yeah. Yeah. Poor Freddy. Uh, but yeah. that's a nice thing, because you have this, and he's like, because he has told the truth now, I will be more merciful to him. And it's Another like, cool oh, thing mm-hmm. is oh, that, God. like, I like that the shot, because it's coming right at the camera, and you know that it's just like a wax body they made because that's the, on fire. Because once it stops yeah. in front of the camera, some squish comes off of the body onto the lens. Yeah, it's like pulling something off. Every time I'm like, oh. It's yeah. so gross it and is. awesome. Yeah, mm-hmm. both. Yes. Will finds out Dollar Hyde knows his address. The cops go to Will's house to protect his family. Do you love the cop that's like, Ma'am, I think you need to come inside. That's right. Ma'am, you need to come inside. She's like, what is it? Ma'am, I think you need to come Come inside. inside. (laughs) That's right. Yes. Uh, Will gives some backstory on himself and Lecter to his son. He has a nice conversation with his son in a grocery store surrounded by cereal. Never has there been a more immaculate, Mm -hmm. well-faced grocery store aisle. It's true. It's very beautiful. It's very pleasing on the eyes, like all of the cereal boxes and all, like it's the coffee on one yeah, side, cereal on just the other, perfectly, all of the, the canned goods. Yeah. Everything is perfect. Yeah, it's oh, great. it's it is like for like my slightly OCD mind. Every time I see it, it's like oh, 
Yeah. This feels good. It like does. stepping into a warm bath. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's great. Uh, we find out Will had to have some psychiatric help after he captured Hannibal Lecter. Which this is where we get his son kind of being tight about, like, I don't know if you need to be around mom because yep. he read the thing in the Tadler where it's like, yep. you were mentally unstable and I didn't know this because I was a kid, obviously. Right. I didn't realize. And it's, I feel, it. this feels like a very authentic scene where it does. this kid is upset and he's trying, it's like he loves his dad, <clears throat> but he... It's like he's kind of, his dad's constantly gone, mm-hmm. especially right now. It's like before, whenever he was younger, he was working on cases. It's like he came home, he was getting better, and now he's going back out there, and he's a little bit older, so he's understanding he's the man of the house, yep. and he's protecting his mom. And But it, it's like he's still a kid, so it's like he has this conversation where he's asking him these hard questions, and Will's just being honest with him. He's just like, no. He's like, yeah, I got better physically. Your mom came to visit me. That helped, but I wasn't better. So I needed yeah. to get mentally fit. And, you know, he's like, what kind of thoughts were they? And he's like, Josh, they're the worst thoughts in the world. Mm-hmm. It's the worst. And he's just like, okay. And very much like a kid is because kids bounce back. That's mm-hmm. the thing. They're so resilient. Is he's like, what kind of coffee do you like? And it's just automatically like, okay, you're good. You're still dad. Folgers coffee forever. <laughs> it's not you bad. You like that Folgers stuff. <laughs> yeah. It's all right. Yeah, I, actually, I really like this scene a lot, too. I, yeah. I, I think, thought you were going to say you really like Folgers. <laughs> well, I mean, I'll drink it. If it's what's available. You it's know, coffee. Yeah, coffee. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> but yeah, I I think this is a, this is a really solid scene as well. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, Will and Molly have a conversation after this. Will needing... Uh, basically, he says, you know, he needs... He needs to catch Dollar Hyde. Molly is quite upset. Will tells her they need to go up to Montana, get away until all this is Can over. Can we really quickly just talk about what a bad bitch Molly is? She's she, awesome. She is mm-hmm. fucking awesome. Yeah. The entire time, she is so supportive. And it's even true. here, it's like she asks, like, Can you quit? And he's like, No. I, I love the line delivery. This killing has to stop. You know, she doesn't want him involved, but she also knows. He's the only person that can get this done. And it feels, it does feel like she gets that. It is only you or it's But she's not happy about it because, like, the scene ends. Like, she walks away Uh and he's left there by himself. Because she's frustrated. Because he tells her at the beginning, like, I'm going to be so far away. And you know, Molly knows that's not true. Because she knows he's not capable. This, I think she's one of man's stronger female characters. That's not something he's good with. It's not. Well, and and, so this, I just, I kind of want to get your guys' opinion real quick. Yeah. Another what I call manisms is a lot of times he'll use women as almost a weak point of a man. That ties in a lot to the nature of man's films because that really like, I feel like that only applies to his cops and robbers films, but that's more than half of his filmography. Right. Exactly, yeah. mm-hmm. I, I do think though that like Molly is one of the stronger females in a man film. Mm hmm. Mm-hmm something that we kind of brushed over a little bit earlier on whenever the first time he calls Molly and they're just talking back and forth like having a very normal Mm -hmm. husband and wife conversation where she's like I might paint you know the walls in the kitchen what color do you like and he says a color she's like "Mm, no is that the theatrical cut I think it is I think they're in both yeah she's talking about stuff that she knows doesn't matter but she's just trying to talk to him like like everything's fine even though she knows it's not he's not good he cuts her off and he is biting and he's just like I don't give a fuck what it is and he doesn't say that but he's yeah. like I don't care and then she doesn't say anything and she he's like I'm sorry I, I didn't mean that right. when I get back we can go look at colors 
she's like, I don't know why I'm talking about this. I just wanted to tell you I love you. I don't feel like she's a hindrance in that a lot of, yeah. the way Michael Mann does show women, yeah. they are the weakness. They're yeah. like something they have to deal with. He's, he's losing himself and she's there with Josh. She is literally mm-hmm. his anchor in the world where it's like his humanity. Absolutely. Yeah. Dollar Hyde works at some type of... Well, he looks like a, a photo lab a photo company. Lab, I don't really video, know if him and videography Reba... place. Yeah, I don't know if him and Reba work at the same place. I don't think so. Yeah. So, because there, I was confused on that because I, I wrote down, is she a co-worker? No, I don't know. I think in the book they work at separate places. I think he works at like a video lab. She works at like, she does stuff with film directly. Okay. So, I think that their video company... Because they probably do like wedding videos, birthday videos, things like that. Mm-hmm. Because that's how he gets access to all of these family videos. They probably sell like the like stock. stock like to the families like to rent these cameras and stuff. That's why when he goes to visit her, it's like, you know, what what's being filmed, you know, like the nocturnal patterns of animals. Mm-hmm. He yep. needs film for, you know, low lighting. Yes. Which, why does he need that? That's right. <laughs> Uh, so yes, uh, we meet Reba, played by the great Joan Allen. Dollar Hyde and her kind of start a little bit of a relationship here. He takes her on, I think this is their first date. Mm-hmm. Uh, he takes her to see a tiger. Uh, she feels the tiger. This, I really like this scene. Like, you feel the, The like, music's great. The music and, like, the mix of violence and sexuality Mm-hmm. combined reba is someone she cannot see she can right she's blind. she's blind i should have mentioned no, that. no you're fine reba, reba's <laughs> blind she's very assertive she's very dominant she knows exactly what she wants she's not scared of anything interesting with just her being so frail and feminine yeah. against this tiger putting her hands down then yeah. again the music's so great which is something we haven't touched on at all yet which yes. we will but her putting her hand down and then pulling back the jowls a little bit to reveal the yeah the teeth, the teeth. absolutely it, I, I really love this scene. Mm-hmm. Like, it just... It feels very sexual, obviously, because you have Dollar Hyde in the background just watching her touch this beast, this strong thing, and it's like, he's trying to become this beast, but there's something with her where it she's touching this very tender side of him. So while it's sexual yeah. and the adrenaline of just her being this close to a sleeping beast, it's like she has no idea how close she is to a sleeping beast. Yes, and with that, that that goes very nicely into the next scene. Mm-hmm. As they you go guys are skipping over a thing that I'd like to talk yes, about. Yes, go for it. Uh, one thing that Red Dragon does better than Manhunter is the convincing her to get in that car. No, he goes, ride with me. Ride with me. And she's like, no, no. It would be for my pleasure. <laughs> That's really funny. <laughs> I say that. It's more, more, uh... He said it would be because I want you to. It really Ray sounds finds, like I need to rewatch Red Dragon. Yeah, Ray finds it's not good. That is a line that goes through my head constantly, and not because it is a well delivered line. I just think it's funny <laughs> constantly. I'm like, ride with me. Very I nice. think that anything that you want done for selfish reasons should be followed for my pleasure. It would be <laughs> for my pleasure. Well said. <laughs> Directly after the tiger, we yes. lead into they go into uh, Reba joins Dollar High uh, to over to his house. Um, this kind of leads into a sex scene with the song The Big Hush by Shriekback. Deep as the river of the ashes and the fire turn in this and the life on you. 
great stuff. Well, and before that, you have, like, him watching the video, and he's, like, basically tells her he's doing homework. And he is. He's honest. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. you get, like, the nice, like, change of him watching her, like, her heaving bosom as she breathes and drinks. Right. The new family that he's going to kill, like, that wife in the bikini, mm-hmm. and just, putting, like... Putting the baby down and then turning, yeah. and putting the baby down and turning, and he's watching her body... And he's looking over at Reba and watching her body. But he doesn't do anything. Yep. She, she jumps on him. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's true. After the sex scene, uh, Dollarhide wakes up in the morning. Reba is not by him. Um, but we get a like a very, it's like one of the more brighter scenes in the film. You skipped it's another good morning moment. light. Okay, I'm sorry. During, when he's sleeping in bed and that song's going, him putting her hand on his mouth because... He didn't want right. her to touch it during her waking hours because he was so, like, embarrassed about this, like, hair lisp that he has. Right. And yeah, he has a hair lip, which yep. we haven't talked about. Dollar Hyde, he has a facial... Yeah, yeah. He definitely... Scar. And... Does not feel confident in himself. It's like, you can see... It, that's the thing. Like, you don't need to voice it. Like, that's another clumsy thing that Red Dragon does is, like, you have a scene with Dollar Hyde, like, losing his mind, like, conflicting on, like... You know, should he be the red dragon or not? And I think that they get into that more, like, with the book. Like, him going to eat the painting. That's what it's about. Yeah. Is, like, trying to escape this for her. Mm-hmm. And in this scene, all you get is him putting her hand on his face. And it's, like, him kind of releasing, you Which... know, what he was aiming to do. Like, maybe going for a different life and stopping this. Yeah. So something that they, which Will brings up, and I honestly, I can't remember right now what exact point it is in the movie, but they talk about, so Dollar Hyde, whenever Will's trying to get into his mind and he's playing that out, he says, okay, so he puts the glass in the eyes and he's arranging the family so they can all see him. And he thinks that if he is seen that he will be loved, that he will be accepted mm-hmm. for who he is, and that if he does this enough, that this r- ritual will manifest in reality and then enter Reba. Uh-huh. So Reba mm-hmm. comes in, and she she's the only one that truly sees him, and she's blind. Mm-hmm. She right. truly sees him, and she says, you're a sweet, sensitive yep. man, D. But she doesn't see him because he's a killer. Mm-hmm. But again, she's seeing the best parts of him. She's seeing she hasn't it, seen none of this ugliness, this yet. darkness. Mm-hmm. She's just right. She's finally seeing him, and it gives him hope. He wakes up. She's not there, but he finds that she's outside mm-hmm. watching the just, sunrise. Just basking yep, in just the, enjoying the warm sun. And I just wrote, you know, he feels something different at this point, especially towards Reba. He's maybe becoming a changed man, or so he believes. A new becoming. Yeah. Yes. Will calls Lecter. I've already talked about the black and white telephone, so I don't need to go over that again. But I really like their both of their posture during this call mm-hmm. because you have Lecter laying on his bed with his legs yes. up, just kind of like like a teenager in bed, he's just it. whatever. Yeah. And then mm-hmm. Will, as he's talking, he's sitting in this chair and he's very upright. The more he talks to Lecter, he also throws his yep. leg over the leg of the chair and he's kind of slumped <laughs> over. Again, it's very interesting visually. Well, the whole thing is just like Lecter kind of having a laugh at, like, death. Mm-hmm. Like, kind of provoking Will and getting the point, you know, if if man does enough killing, like, they will become, like, God. Yep. Because God kills. God dropped a church, or, you know, the roof of a church on 37 of his, like, worshippers. 
And like, I bet that felt good to God. Yeah, mm-hmm. 150 Filipinos died in this plane crash. Mm-hmm. Like, God is efficient. Yep. Great scene. Uh, followed by another great scene. Uh, we have the song Strong As I Am by the Prime Movers. Crawford and Will are freaking out yep. because it's the night of the full moon. So Dollar Hyde's supposed yes. to strike again. But what we as the audience know, he is going to see Reba. Mm-hmm. He's not going to kill. That's right. He's not going to kill that night. He's going to see Reba. He's going to her house He's in a new his man. van. Yep. We've got this song playing as he rolls up. Mm-hmm. And Nolan, what happens? Yes. Uh, so he gets ready to go to Reba's place. Mm-hmm. Her, I think it's an apartment, is it or a house? Well, she, house yeah, it's house. like a, it's a, it's, a yeah. brownstone. Yeah. So he sees another man making a move on Reba, or at least he perceives. It's all what that. he perceives. Yes, um, he perceives that, and Dollar Hyde loses it. Basically, takes the guy out as he says goodbye to Reba. Reba goes inside. Dollar Hyde loses it on the dude. Well, and it's a long scene. Like, you yeah. get the song plays for a long yeah, time. Yeah. It's almost and, like, a Dollar Hyde's yeah. reactions, every time it cuts to them after the initial, like, showing the viewer what's going what, on, in reality, once you get like, to Dollar Hyde's perspective, it's lit in this way where, like, the it's just bright, this bright light, light, light shot from underneath, like, shining up on mm-hmm. them, like, casting these, like, brilliant shadows, yeah. and it, like, really romanticizes things. It's very things. sensual yeah. as the guy's touching her cheek. Yeah, it's... She just has, like, yeah, an eyelash, just that, yeah. and he's just getting it off of her cheek. Yeah. It's, again, that mix of... And then you get the shot, the hand going up and ripping the upholstery. Yeah. It's that mix, again, of sensuality and violence mm-hmm. that I think man does an excellent job. There's no in sex in your violence. That's right. <laughs> Dollar Hyde is very upset. He goes in, confronts Reba. She doesn't know that he's upset until he's, like... Basically, no, like, that's the sad thing. Is yeah, you know, she's probably like, Oh, my boyfriend's hey, yeah, he's, back. Yeah. Like, this is cool because, yeah, I mean, that guy, we he, he that was guy, just a friend, yeah, uh, that guy was a friend, yeah, like flirting with her to see what he can get, right? But, like, mm-hmm. she's so, not interested to her. That and was she's, just a friend, she's so assertive, she yep. knows what she wants. Yep. If she wanted that guy, she would have had that guy, yep, absolutely. But she says, Francis, and yep. he's like, Francis is gone, Francis is he's gone, never coming back, yeah. So basically, um, he takes her and uh, is going to take her back to his house. Uh, Will's psyche continues to take a toll on him. He and Crawford have a bit of a arguing spat. And again, <laughs> this, this is, is one of my favorite scenes in the movie. Yeah. And again, William Peterson, his fucking performance is so good. Yep. He is becoming more, it's like his eyes look more sunken in. He looks tired and disheveled. And he is so crabby at Crawford. Yeah. Well, and like the whole thing is like, Jack is like, we we missed it. Like, we have a jet, you know, fueled up. Like, we can get to anywhere in the country in an hour and a half. As soon as they're dead. Yeah. It's like, you know, we'll have a fresh crime scene and we'll start again. Yeah. And you have that exchange of Will just like, you know, don't tell me when it's done. Like, you brought me into this. You know, you knew when you showed me the photos of that family that, like, I couldn't say no. 
and like Jack just pops off and like damn right I did mm-hmm. like it's so good I love the scene a lot and then like after their little spat it gets quiet and you just see Will working but in this it's like so intense because it's like he's watching the video discovering like he watched these tapes like he knows and about honestly it's the padlock he was sitting upright really close to the screen and then he kind of will gets it kind of early in the scene because mm-hmm. he says something where he's like he mentions the cat yeah. he mentions the dog and then he kind of sits back he puts his hand on his chin and he it's like a master class in acting anyone that oh, thinks this performance isn't good as you see jack watching will work and it's almost like the fuck like yeah like we need this, but damn it, we're losing him again. Yeah. One one thing I, that I, it speaks of William Peterson as an actor, but also Will Graham as a character is you see when he gets a breakthrough, you, as an audience, you can see his mind working, and you're like, oh, he's got something, and I think he really brings that out in the performance. He I has love that, that loud so pop much. off, yeah. and then it gets so... The actual discovery and, like, the mechanics of him yep. figuring it out is so quiet. And I love that he says, isn't that right, my man? He keeps calling mm-hmm. him my man. I find it to be uh, very pleasing to watch. Well, mm-hmm. I think, like, Will is a more interesting, like, detective than Clarice is, because, well, like... Well, Clarice is so young, and... She stumbles into... yeah things well, while and, will is like actively like one of the smartest people in the room at all times mm-hmm. yeah so as you guys just said he has a bit of a breakthrough no padlock had a bolt cutter but didn't use it figures out uh dollar hide watching the family's home movies through this uh dollar hide works with video and photography as we talked about earlier and he find you know he's like they basically find out they think he's in St. Louis. St. Louis, the Mo. great state of Missouri. Yeah. The great state of Kansas, please. Yes, <laughs> Kansas. Uh, <laughs> uh, basically, gonna take a trip to St. Louis, see what they can find out. Uh, Do you like the scene of Will whenever he he calls down to? Um, so him and Crawford they call to. Uh, where they keep all the evidence, the evidence locker. Mm-hmm. And he's like, is the security card down there? Have him call me. And they get a call back and he's like, I need you to go to the leads tape. Pull, mm-hmm. like, is there, is there, uh, on the VHS of the family home videos, yep. what does the label say? And then they're like, St. Louis, Missouri. And he's like, Jacoby tape will say the same thing. Yep. Or it might be vice versa. Yeah, yeah, I can't yeah. remember which yeah. tape it is. But mm-hmm. do you like the scene of Will touching, because he's like, it's, it is, it's, yep. it's right. He's just touching the window of the rain's coming down. Yep. He does that in multiple times in the movie when yeah. he's on the phone. Like, he braces himself. Because mm-hmm. he does it early on when he discovers the, the fingerprint. Yeah. Like, the, the idea that he took his gloves off. Mm-hmm. I really like that because it's a very dynamic pose. And it fills the frame in but magnificent I just, ways. Him, mm-hmm. the shot from behind and him and that, it's this giant tall yep. window and him just putting out. And again... Blue. Well, I'm yeah, also not showing cards. Jack's Absolutely. reaction because Jack is the one that's on the phone because Will says, tell him to peel the label back. I bet it's the same. Yeah, he's like, and then you get a long piece of quiet where you don't see Jack's reaction and Will goes, it's the same, isn't it? Or yeah. I was right. I was right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then you get to like them, which another magnificent piece of filmmaking, which I think is understated. They show a jet in the runway, like, he films it for a long time, mm-hmm. 
and it lands at the airport, rolls up into frame, and the actors get out of it. I I, I don't know. It's little stuff like that that I'm like, oh, that's pretty fucking cool. Oh, you're like, oh, damn, man knows how to make a film. Yeah. <laughs> Daddy does. I'm probably stepping on things. You guys probably want to talk about, like, well, the evidence they find in the plane. I just wanted to... DMV. I wanted to mention uh, we get another song in Agata da Vida. is now by captive by Dollarhide. Farina and Will have their lead, and they head to take on the Red Dragon. At his home. They think he's out killing a family, so really they're just racing to... Like, Find evidence at his house. Yeah. Like, they set it up well that you're not going to have backup, because they talk while on the plane, like, you guys are closer to it than we are. The local police, Like, once yeah. you land, we will have people out there to meet you, which is probably just patrol officers that are already out. Because it's only like two or three squad yeah, cars. Yeah, it's not SWAT. It's not specialists. Like, and not they're yet. driving up with no lights on, which causes like the cars to crash. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> and Will jumps the gun. Because the whole thing is like Will and Jack are just supposed to be observers as the police and SWAT go and take which him down. Right. Jack is yelling at Will in the car like, don't load your gun. We're, SWAT's going to do and it when they, they get here. And then they see that the mm-hmm. woman is in the building and Will's like... There's someone in the house with her. Mm-hmm. And Jack's like, what did you say? He's like, there's someone in the house with him. He has yeah. somebody in the house with him. Mm-hmm. And Jack's just like, wait for backup, Will. And he's like, Mm-mm. Will busts through Dollar Hyde's window. Dollar <laughs> Hyde uh, gets really upset, starts destroying <laughs> everyone with shotgun. Will shoots multiple times into Dollar Hyde, kills him. His body and his blood matches that of the Red Dragon. And Joan, or Reba, I'm sorry, is saved. She asks who saved her. Will Graham. I am Will Grant. You guys go. Okay. Do you like him running at the window? Absolutely. Because, again, Indigata DeVita <laughs> is playing the whole time. This is the one thing about the ending that I do love. I love him running. He's got Reba on this table, which the table and the chairs are really cool, just to talk about set design for a second. Very neat. But you, Dollarhide looks up, and it's a very sl- it is a slow motion thing. Yep. But I think it's well used it in work. this instance. Yeah, well, it's a double shot too. Yeah. because like once he looks again, he's from the same distance. Mm-hmm. But Will runs through and just smashes, and the song gets loud again. Yep. But Dollarhide just catches him like motherfucking a, Kane a or Undertaker. WWF wrestler catches him and like fucking throw or slashes his face. Yep, and then throws him like, like he's a nothing. Freaking mm-hmm. feather. It's awesome. And then he goes like to the secret cubby, grabs the shotgun and he shoots out all the lights and the only bad thing during this action scene this is my other pit i and i feel like the reason he did this is to show how chaotic a realistic like police shootout is is. but he takes frames out of the action but does double shots in slow motion but he's removing frames so it looks very like now can i ask real quick i i might be wrong on this that's why i want to get your guys opinion because it's been a few months since i've watched this movie doesn't he do the same thing with the action towards the end of thief 
Yeah, it's used to a lesser degree in Thief because the yeah. entire ending climatic scene, climactic scene. It, it's really just right. when he shoots the the last guy in Thief that okay. you get the double takes, but right. he does it too much. Like it's actually sure. more restrained to Manhunter, and Manhunter I think is done in a better way. Yeah. It's really just it's when Dollar Hyde is killing the cops that I don't like it because you do get that the removal of frames from the action sure. and I, I think it makes it too choppy. And I almost, I think that if you got Man Who Made Heat, like that type of action, sure. I think like doing a realistic action I think for that sequence yeah. would be more like frantic and yeah. fear inducing. How, how long is the shootout in Heat? Probably 10, 12 minutes. And it's perfect. Yeah, absolutely. That's what's frustrating to yeah. me about the scene. Yeah. Is we know how good. Right. But I, he hasn't evolved, like, I stylistically. I understand that, but be, I feel like it's just so messy. Because this is exploring, like, what he did right. in Thief. And to be honest, like, man's a good enough director. He could have shot action well enough. This was a formal choice. I don't think it's the right choice either. No, I feel like it was a stylistic yeah. thing. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. And I agree with you. I think that he probably was trying to show how truly chaotic. Because mm -hmm. yeah. you have just, like, the gun going off and him reacting. And then you get, like, a quick shot of yeah. Dollar Hide and then it's back. Like, yeah. I, but you get these weird shots where, like, the cop in the door is shot, like, two or three times with the shotgun. But he's getting blown back the exact same way. Mm -hmm. So it's like... You're doing like a, a double take, but Dollar Hyde shoots out the door twice, so it looks like, you know, he's shooting him twice as he's flying back. Like, the action doesn't make sense, like right. the choreography, like with what he's doing. Sure. I just think the rest of this is so perfect. Yeah, it's, so, this, yeah. it seems like a very, ugh, yeah. just get it get it done. To me, I, I think this is, like I said, a masterpiece earlier. And I. This is something that can be griped at, and I will agree. And it's the tiniest gripe. Even through its flaws, I think this ending is a million times better than the whole, like, last 30 minutes of Red Dragon. Which, Red Dragon does stick closer to the book with the ending, Like, the him, I... like, faking his death with the burning house, and then going to Graham's house to attack him. The whole thing about him faking deaths is, like, that's a common thing that happens in those books. Yeah. With them using a decoy body. I think Manhunter is more satisfying because... And I, I think that people at the time, like, that's the thing that people wrote about was like, oh, the ending isn't, you know, the book. But the, I think movie's, it's better. the movie's called Manhunter. Like, the story that, you know, Michael Mann is telling of cops and robbers, like, good and bad. You know, that's what he deals with. And having Dollar Hyde fake his death and then attack Will's family, like, that is not satisfying Will doesn't really complete his task. He's just pretend or like protecting his family to give the audience that cathartic release. He has to find him. Like he has to succeed. Well, he has to find Dollar Hyde, succeed, and then find himself again. Which uh, something that even though I don't like the shootout, something that is brilliantly done is as soon as it's done, Will goes to Reba and he holds on to her the entire time. So that you have a shot from far away where they're mm -hmm. coming through the house after everything's happened. He holds her as they walk out and then someone else comes to check on her and he she's just focused on will just she turns to him and he goes no it's okay it's okay and then he grabs her and just holds her mm -hmm. and she's like what's who yep. what's your name and graham will graham mm -hmm. it's like he found himself again now something you didn't get known mm -hmm. and the director's cut it yes. goes to a scene where will beating the fuck up like his makeup okay. is gnarly yeah, he goes to the family and they're kind of on edge because, you know, the FBI told them like, hey, you, you know, you're the next victims, you know, to be had. So like they answer the door with the gun and stuff and it's just Will and he explains who he is 
And they're like, well, why'd you, you know, come here? And I'm like, I just wanted to see you. Yeah. And I understand why he did it. I don't, I think it's better than the theatrical cut, not having that scene, but it is like a, it makes um, sense for his character. Yeah. It, 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 it gives like a release for Will. You didn't do it because you're like Lecter. You didn't do it because you're like Dollar Hyde. Like you didn't want to kill. Mm-hmm. Like you killed because you had to. That's good. But I think they they succeed in getting the same note in the theatrical with like him being with his son and so like we almost final... saved all the turtles. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Do you have a final note? Yes. Yeah, so just the end. Um. Just my last my last comment. I will say as I talked about it earlier. Again, I I really just. Love the symmetry shot of uh, Dollar Hyde's death mm-hmm. um, and the way he's set in blood. Mm-hmm. And then also talking about the symmetry shots, we kind of get a last one with Farina and Graham kind of giving us a symmetry shot of them from the beginning of the film. They're back like on kind of this beach area, um, sitting a little little differently this time. Um, Will gets back to his family and Heartbeat by Red Seven. Masterclass film. He goes back, him and Molly, you know, connect yep. again, and he's got those cute little purple ass shorts That's on. That's right. Oh my god. He's back. Ugh. Yep. Back in his full glory. Mm-hmm. And then it's like, you know, Dad, did the turtles make it? Most of them. Yep. You know, <laughs> or it's not the exact thing. Sure. I think he might say that to Molly, but it's just like, it's so good. Because yep. it, it, again, the turtles, obviously, it means more. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yes. That Will's there to protect them. Yep. Uh, this is, I don't know what else to say. Quick, this is a great movie. Let's talk about the music, though, because we didn't yes. talk about it. Great score. I think it helps the movie flow. Like, it makes it, like, that with, like, the production design and man's photography, like, that makes the movie. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, it makes it so it, digestible. Yeah, I will say, it, for as much as we didn't really touch on it, it just a few times, it is, is it is as important as color, yeah. acting, as the story itself, yeah. the music is mm-hmm. guiding the audience. At no point are you your hands held in the story. Mm-hmm. Man doesn't do that. But you very... It's... Everything is noted. Yes. I don't think he makes a bad choice with any of the music in this. No. It's all fantastic. I will say my my personal favorite is the As Strong As I Am, the Prime Mover song. Yeah. Like, uh-huh. That uh, song and... And the way that scene builds, like... I think the musical, the songs he chooses are great, but some of the score is so good. Mm -hmm. And mine might be Graham's theme.
Michael Rubini does Graham's theme, which is amazing. And then there's another song called Freeze by Klaus Schultz. And I think that's actually from another film, but man uses it in this film. And it's just, they'll melt your brain. It's so good. Very good stuff. Yeah. So I just wanted to talk about the music for just a sec. (laughs) I started playing my playlist. It's actually, you want to know what's creepy? Is contacting the other side from the (laughs) book I was playing. (laughs) That's really good. I do have a Mary Fuck Kill if we're ready. Yes. If, unless you guys is have there anything. Other... I was just going to ask. Is there anything anything anybody else wants to say? About I like this movie a lot. I find it highly rewatchable. I, it's one of those films that I could watch a few times a year mm-hmm. and get a lot out of it each time. I love Michael Mann. I think this is in the upper echelon of his films. Michael Mann doesn't make bad movies. It's... Probably Thief, Heat, Manhunter, which is Thief's really, your favorite. Thief's my favorite. Heat for, sure. for me. Thief rules so hard. Yeah, Thief I love Thief. So hard. I love Heat. It's I a love great top movie. three. Honestly, if you ask me tomorrow, I could say Heat, Manhunter, Thief. It, I don't know. It's, it's probably like Heat, Manhunter. Man, I really like like Collateral. Oh yeah. Man, it's Michael Mann's just fucking I just, awesome. Yeah. I gotta say, Insider's you know, great. Earlier this year, we watched The Keep for the first time. Oh, I loved that movie. How about that sound? I love all his movies. I, oh. I just, yeah, I'm Michael Mann's awesome. Mm-hmm. Like, th- like I said, I, I think this movie is a masterpiece. So I'm glad you picked it and glad we had the discussion. Yeah, I'm, I'm. <laughs> I did not think this podcast would go this long, but eighty six is... a great year for horror films. Agreed. Mm-hmm. I kind of like that we went from 85 with Fright Night to 86, just yeah. right on cue. Um, okay, so real quickly, before we finally sign off, I would like to ask you a very important question, each of you. Yes. Mary, fuck, kill. Mm-hmm. Freddie Lowndes, Hannibal Lecter, or Dollar Hide? Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. It... <laughs> well, I'll go first this time. Okay. <laughs> okay. I am marrying Hannibal Lecter. Look, he is a boy with taste. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. He's a sophisticated man. I think, you know, he's, you know, we're going to have a good time together. He's going to teach me um, the finer things in life. Um, Look, am I going to have to learn how to eat? Human meat, probably so. Mm-hmm. But he's well, gonna, not in this. But not yeah. in this one. Yeah. Right. So, I mean, even better. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. You know. You should have to deal I'll, with him killing I'll college. From, yeah. Yeah, girls. You know, fear for that. But that that's all right. Something I can deal with. You've d- dealt with worse in it, past questions. Yeah. So, I'm going to F uh, Dollar Hyde. I also, again, I like his style. You know, he's got a nice house. He's got uh, some good taste as well. So, you know what? I can deal with one night of weirdness. Here. Put on a record. Yep. Just let it go. Yep. And and sadly, you know, Freddy's got to go. I've got to kill him. I hate... I've said this before, and I'm sorry to anybody out there that it offends. You know, sometimes redheaded boys just, you know... Even though you know 
what Stephen Lang looks like now, yeah. I can't handle it. I can't. I can't do it. Not, a, not you even. You know, that, that curly red-headed mop. I just, I can't take it. You gotta get it out of I there. I can't take it. And you know what? He's a backstabber. He's bullshit. I, I just, I don't like his, I don't like his style. I don't like his, his look. I don't he's, like any of it. He's gotta go. He's done. I completely agree with Nolan. That's the way. Oh. I I would marry Lecter because, like, he's a professor. He's well to do. You know, if man. I if I eat people once in a while, that's fine. I guess. I you don't really get that in this movie, so that probably doesn't apply. So if he's killing just like college girls, like, I mean, who am I to know? You know, who you're not a college girl, right? I'm not a college girl, so like, I'm gonna like. I'm going to visit him in prison and stuff and like hear good stories and I'm going to be living off of that like sweet retirement, Lecter retirement money. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm going to fuck Dollar Hyde because, you know, Tom <laughs> Newman, uh, he's a good looking guy and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, Freddie just, Freddie got to die. You know, and that's really what it boils down to. It's Dol- like Freddie's awful. Yeah. I, I think Freddie deserves everything that happens to him. Dollar Hyde did not give himself enough credit. Yeah. On, on putting that one out. Yeah. 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 I would say, I think that I would marry Francis. Yeah? Yeah. Okay. I really mm-hmm. do. I There's something very, uh, obviously, I would go into it as more of like a Reba where I wouldn't know about the horrific right. events and I would change him. Yeah. He's probably going to mm-hmm. ultimately kill me. You're like a family. big boy. I, well, it's not, it's not about that. It's not about a size thing. It's not, a, it's not about a big boy. It's just... You enjoy sunsets together. I enjoy sunsets. Uh-huh. And I also, I really want to listen to Inagata DeVita and look at that sunset painting that he has. Mm-hmm. I would like to do that, or mm-hmm. that mural thing in his house. Mm-hmm. But, no, uh, I... Him just bring me gin and tonics? Yeah, he'll make me a gin and tonic if mm-hmm. I need it. And I just, I think that he could be quiet where I could read on the couch while he's, like, watching his videos and doing stuff. And yeah, I'm just like, homework. Yeah. He's doing homework. I'm reading. I what if he that, bust out the teeth? Um, I would be like, well, I have a, I've got a lot of weird teeth too. I've got mm. vampire teeth. I've got werewolf teeth. Mm. So Question. honestly, not that weird to me. Can okay. I amend mine? Okay. Can I fuck Ray Phineas as Dollar Hyde? Uh, part of this. He's say, got that tattoo. How do you say his name? Ray Phineas. That is not it. And every time <laughs> we do a thing, it will be for his pleasure. I can't with you. Can I finish my Mary Fuck Kill real quick? Ray Phineas. Anyways, which I would, if we were just doing him, I'm gonna Mary Fuck uh, the one from his character in the Grand Budapest. Uh, ah, yeah. So delightful. He, You're I, not gonna fuck Schindler? No. <laughs> <laughs> what is wrong with you? Anyways. Take your hands off my <laughs> lobby boy. <laughs> That's what I would say when we were role playing. anyways i'm marrying francis it's gonna be beautiful he's a sensual lover we know this we've seen it i he's got a lot of cool stuff i've got like a lot of moon stuff too like we're into something together Mm -hmm. like that i am going to fuck hannibal and kill freddie because freddie does have to die yeah and i do think that i'm glad we can all agree on that yeah i think that being with Hannibal would probably be very powerful. And what we know about Hannibal War later is he only kills rude people. I hate rude people as well. I could probably marry Hannibal too. Like I he, could do he's a got switch. good taste. I could do a switch mm-hmm. on that because he doesn't like rude people. 
So that was that was a pretty good episode, guys. Yeah. Great job, everyone. Want to take us home, then? Yep. Let's get out of here. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. Uh, thank you for joining us on this episode of Manhunter. Uh, you can find us at Cinema Parlor on Twitter. You can find us on SoundCloud. You can find us on iTunes. You can find us on Spotify. Uh, you can find me personally at Chuck Madden Jr. on Letterboxd and on Twitter. Stacy? Glover 84 on the Letterboxd. And Melanie? Plastic Werewolf everywhere. And Melanie, thank you for joining us. Uh, thank you for editing, producing... Our Thank show. you guys for covering this episode. I'm so glad that we got to talk about Manhunter. Yes. And uh, Michael Mann. I'm glad we did too. Because this I can feel your has heart been beat. a heart fun beat. episode as he slaps me with a rag. All right. Well, <laughs> not a rag. this has been a lot of fun. And uh, thanks for listening. And goodbye, y'all. Goodbye. I'm sorry, too. Excuse me? Coffee. Just you and me now, Spork. I'm gonna find you, goddammit.